Welcome to the Creativity Cafe for the creatively adventurous and the relentlessly curious. We have inspiring conversations with creative women from all over the world. I'm Paige Baldwinando, and I'm a creativity coach who helps people maximize their creative potential. And I'm also a writer. And I'm Jordana Matsuda. I'm an illustrator on my creative journey with Paige helping me along the way. We're both long-term residents of Japan, a country bursting with creative energy that inspires us every day. So go grab a cup of tea and join us in discovering new creative landscapes here on the Creativity Cafe. Hi, Jordana. Hi, Paige. So today I have some curiosity around something that I think is a really interesting topic that gets talked about a lot, but also not enough somehow at the same time. And that is like how we as mothers embrace our identities as creative people at the same time as being mothers. Yeah, that's a juicy one. How do we not neglect one or the other as we, (laughs) you know, come into this place of, of, putting a priority on each of them because each feels so important right but there's one that is kind of sanctioned by society as something that's important (laughs) and one (laughs) that is a little less so that might be called selfish for us to focus on Mm. right so it's always okay for us to focus on motherhood right no one's ever gonna say (laughs) oh you're doing too much mothering But yeah, I'm curious about your experience about um, making time for your creative work alongside your work parenting. Yeah, it's really it's a really interesting topic, isn't it? Because it's there's so many different facets to to this subject. Um, I think for me, when I look back, um, becoming a mother was so much harder than I ever thought it was going to be mm-hmm. having been a teacher for 10 years I thought okay I'm gonna I'm equipped for this I, I know what's coming blah 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 but you mm-hmm. really don't <laughs> emotionally it's just <laughs> so so it's just n- nothing prepares you that's right for it. yeah um and I think going through that makes made me examine what do I really want in life because before I really I so badly wanted to have a child mm-hmm. and I had this beautiful child and it's wonderful and I I love that I loved being pregnant having a baby and going through everything I've gone through up until now but also I lost a part of me that I felt like I could never get back yeah I lost a certain part of my life that I'll never get back yeah. Which is a part of the process, isn't it? It is. But yep. it's like I grieved that part. Mm-hmm. And then I had to examine, okay, well, what do I actually want going forward? Right. Um, in a really, like, you know, primitive kind of way, like, what do I want? Right. Um, and it was, you know, to go back to my art, to go back to something hands-on, um making something that is an expression of what I'm feeling or expression of what I'm going through Mm -hmm. at that point in my life so I think for me yeah 
motherhood made helped me to examine what do I want moving forward that will give me back a part of my life or give me a new part of my life to kind of look to look to the future with right as as well as my son and my family yeah yeah because it changes you doesn't it yeah it changes who you are and it also leaves behind like it it burns away anything extraneous Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was that's like not you Mm -hmm. from before you become a mother but there's Mm. also this piece of like the you that is a mother who is thinking always of the other of the child right and that part that piece it consumes you in many ways Mm. but there's still this core that of you Mm -hmm. you know that was you before that is you now that will be you in the future that needs attention yeah and just has a really hard time getting it Mm. (laughs) during those first you know weeks months years Mm. of intense labor intense work that goes into mothering um especially in the way you know it's set up now in our the way we live um Mm. where we're isolated from other mothers and other people who could help you know a lot of the time Mm. we're on our own so yeah, there is, uh, I think for many women, myself included, and, and it sounds like you, your experience was so similar to mine, like, there's a kind of crisis point mm. of mm. like, who am I now? And what do I need? How do I even know? Mm. <laughs> How do I give it to myself? You know, is while, it allowed? Is, is it even I allowed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it even <laughs> allowed? And if it's not, like, who's going to be mad at me? Mm. And the answer is almost everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like your children grow to expect a certain level of attention. You know, your partner, even really great, generous, loving partners, even the very best. You know, we have a certain level of giving that comes to be expected. And it's difficult for anyone to adjust to. Um, a boundary being made around, okay, now I need this time for my creative self in whatever way I'm able to take it. It's hard for us to do that too. You know, it's really a a dance, you know, between these ever flowing, ever evolving parts of our lives in many ways. How do you find it now that your son is older? Um, It is because I'm able to show him and talk to him about what I'm doing um I find that it's a bit more inclusive like we can do stuff together yeah um so it feels a lot freer I feel Mm -hmm. freer to share it with him and before he was so little I couldn't concentrate on him and doing something creative mm-hmm. um because you, when you have one child i think <laughs> you are their friend and their mom right because they don't have anyone else <laughs> um, um so yeah i feel freer to be able to do what i want and i think for my husband he can see that i'm happier as well yeah yeah um or if not happier at least not as angry <laughs> <laughs> You yeah. have more outlets for yes. expression. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Like now your your kids are even older than 
point. Yeah, so. yeah. They are in a, in a place where they have their own creative interests and outlets. And we do still collaborate. One thing we really, I love to collaborate with my kids. And um, one thing we love to do is like procreate drawings together, collaborative oh, yes. ones. Yep. Um, we've always done collaborative drawings. Um, and we've also always done collaborative storytelling in my family, which is something like, for example, if we're at a restaurant waiting for food to come, one person will like start a story and then the next person will add. And then it's kind of a round robin yeah. adding to the story, <laughs> which is always interesting. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. <laughs> We've also done things where we, um, again, with like the four of us, we'll collaboratively draw with one person adding, you know, to a little mm. notebook. I used to always carry around notebooks when they were smaller for that purpose. Um, so, yeah, that kind of thing has evolved into something a little more sophisticated now. Um, when we were all on lockdown in 2020, and you might remember, I, I'm sure it was the same for you, like in Japan, the kids didn't go to school at all. Like there yeah. was no school. There was no Zoom school. <laughs> like there was just nothing yeah. for several yeah. months. And during that time, um, my kids started writing songs together. Oh, and wow. that was really fun to mm. watch um, as well. So, yeah, we have a lot of that sort of um, spontaneous, collaborative, creative stuff going on in our home. Mm. And then there's also just more time for me to do the kind of creative work that I want to do. And they're able to understand, hey, you know, I need an hour. Yeah. Or, um you know, whatever it is that I need to explain to them, they're, they're far more capable of <laughs> figuring mm. it out. And another thing that happened during lockdown was I taught them how to bunch of things, so they don't even need me to make their lunch yeah, anymore. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> so things like that, I'm putting myself out of work, really, is that's what's good, happening. <laughs> but it does free me up in many ways, um, creatively, because it's not only about the time to create, it's about the headspace, yeah. right? Exactly, and yeah. like not having your head full of all their needs, you know, because they're able to take care of more and more of their needs. Mm. Um, not that none of it is in there, but it's you know they're different, and their yeah. physical needs are not my job anymore. Yeah, you know, and that really is a big load off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know? you don't have to have one eye on them and one eye on you know. Your, whatever you're working on yeah. exactly yeah they're really capable of a lot of things yeah. now um and that is also a function of like if we think of parenting as a creative act which it is you know um we have built up until now the relationship that we have with them and we have created with them mm. a relationship that allows for yeah this type of um extended creativity of our own and theirs as yeah. well right yeah. yeah so today's guest who is such an interesting person she's a Norwegian artist Helena Svensson she talks a lot about motherhood and its relationship to creating to art to who we are as women and humans and I just love this conversation me too and I think so many mums who listen will understand what she's saying and also feel empowered hey by totally. what she says and think about all the women that came before us and yeah I think I certainly 
came away from the discussion feeling more empowered. That's for sure. Me too. Yes. So here we go. Here's our conversation with Helena. Having made her home in eight different countries over the course of her life, Helena Svensson's work explores the nature of a different form of home, the body of a woman, specifically as it takes on the role of mother. Through her own experience becoming a mother, Helena's attention fell to the ways motherhood changes us on an alchemical level, as well as the ways motherhood is overlooked, undervalued, and misinterpreted. Her first installation, called Altar to My First Home, created a sacred space for the mother archetype and triggered deep emotions in those who attended, evoking primal memories of feminine power and belonging. Reconnecting with herself as a woman and an artist after becoming a mother, Helena has created for us all a portal into that same kind of remembering and that same source of strength. Welcome, Helena. Thank you. I am super honored. To be so nice here. to have you. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the pod today. It's lovely to have you here and really excited to... um get into our conversation lots of interesting things to talk about today <laughs> um so we we start off every pod asking the same question so can you tell us what's your first memory of doing something creative mm, that's a good question and I feel like I've always been creative you know it's just um I've always when I was little I was always I mean I'm an only child for one so I always had that space where I had to entertain myself. Um, and for me, that my go-to activity would be drawing or painting, um, coloring. Um, you know, even like when I was at my mom's job, like going to the to the supply cabinet and like pulling out supplies and just like creating something wacky. <laughs> <laughs> So I feel like it was just always like a, just a part of me, you know, like in, in my DNA, to be honest. Um, and I feel like most adults have that, you know, it's when you're a kid, you, you just are creative, you have imagination and you want to make things or draw things or you don't even give it a second thought. So I totally. Feel like it's just in there always. Yeah, it's part of who we are as a species in a way to to make things. And when we're kids, we don't have any anything telling us not to, you know, like adults sanction it. <laughs> we have all the materials around usually, you know, it's quite exactly. nice. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, amazing that we lose the, our, comp, our self-esteem in that way of being creative. Mm hmm. And um, I think for me, it's just been this stubborn trait that's never wanted to um, back down. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, it served you. It served you well that it's been there and stayed with you. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. But it's and, and definitely for sure, because I think creativity is just this wonderful gift that we all have mm -hmm. and that we all can do in our own unique way. And um, it's just a shame so many adults don't get to tap into it or at least like keep it, um, maintain it since childhood to a level. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think our education in many ways kind of steers us away from our natural connection with it and towards like, well, this is the right way to do it. 
right? This is how we do it. <laughs> but the truth is, it's never gone. It's in us, no matter what. It's just inherent. And so yeah. we can go back to it anytime, really. We yeah. can. Um, yeah. And, and I, I see that because I do these um, creativity classes mm-hmm. um, now every other week. And um, these moms normally come. I, normally it's moms. I mean, I'd say it's all moms for now. But it's amazing for them to kind of come and say, I have no idea. Like, I don't think I'm creative at all. I don't know how to make anything. Um, mm. I'll just give this a go. And and then I see them blossom. Like, when they make something, they're just so delighted with themselves. And there's just this joy that comes from being creative. And this kind of relaxation response as well. Which totally. Is magical. And, you know, and it's like they rediscover this gift within them. Like, wow. Like, this was so, you know, they feel so... Um, content I suppose Mm -hmm. that's as an adult that's such a rare feeling to feel content yeah yeah and to feel it in that way that is like interior to yourself it's not because somebody else gave you praise or because you know it's like this internally sourced feeling of contentment because you did something that you love to do Mm. you know exactly and it's yours yes yes it's just beautiful. Yeah. It is. And, and I think that really ties into motherhood. So, you know, I think it's just almost um, funny that all these moms are like, I'm not creative. I'm like, you created a child. <laughs> <laughs> or more than one. Yes, you're literally as creative as it's possible to be. Exactly. <laughs> so I kind of find it empowering then seeing um, women, especially mothers, rediscover that part of mm-hmm. themselves. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So will you tell us a little more, like that kind of leads into the next question, because I know that motherhood is, is part of this for you, but will you tell us a little more about um, your path towards where you are today creatively? I have such a complicated path. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, I don't even know where to start, but um, (laughs) (laughs) so we started, yeah, I've always been creative and um, I guess, you know, I was always been good at and, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm a, like, technically good artist. There's some artists that are just technically amazing. You know, there's a lot of technique and um, it's just visually spectacular. And for me, art was never about that. Mm-hmm. It was very much about kind of being in this moment, being yes. kind of guided, being, you know, not knowing what was going to happen, which kind of excited me. Um, and also expressing myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this served me, has served me well as in creating work that's different, <laughs> I would say, or uh, a little bit different, or I, I, I feel like saying original is a strong word because I don't think anything's truly original. We're always inspired by um, things around us that have already been created, um, which I think is beautiful. But um, where am I going with this? <laughs> it's a circuitous route. That's it fine. Is, is. <laughs> I'm like go with the flow kind of person. Um, yeah. And so I think like, you know, going to art class was just like the highlight of going to school, to be yes. honest for me. Yes. And that was a safe space. The place where I felt like 
I could really show my talents in a way or you know at least something that I loved to do where mm-hmm. I had joy I wouldn't say in any other subject I felt joy mm-hmm. <laughs> in the same way and so you know I decided to go to um, art school in the UK um, and I did a foundation degree at Surrey Institute of Art and Design which I'm sure Jordana knows of yes. she was the same institute or not that's so it. cool that you yeah. guys share that yes yeah <laughs> and you know I loved it like I did the foundation and the foundation is basically you dip into all the different types of kind of art forms I would say you know like a fine art photography um, fashion um, graphic art <clears throat> and then you kind of then decide after that what to do and I realized that, you know, I always wanted to do fine art, but I kind of got spooked out of doing it. Hmm. People were like, well, how are you going to make a living? And, you know, how are you going to just like support yourself? And, you know, it, that put that story in my head and scared me mm-hmm. from doing what my heart wanted. And so then instead, something else that I really did enjoy was photography. So I decided to apply for a really small photography course at Kent Institute of Art and Design that was um, maybe like just like 20 students. Oh, wow. So I decided to apply for that. And, I, and I, the thing that I loved about um, photography was being in the dark room. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I'm, a, I'm not a great photographer myself. I, I, ha- I take terrible photos of my own art. <laughs> 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 but... Am I a badass in the dark room of like developing stuff? Yes. Oh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) So I applied for this course and based on my interview and my portfolio, I got an unconditional um, offer, which meant that I could fail the course I was currently on and still get in, Um. which was really like felt really affirming. And when I did that, you know, I did a lot of very experimental stuff. So I'd say it was still in the more uh, um, fine art frame, like mixed media, trying to add like paint to my work or, <laughs> you know, trying to really not like stay within the photography confines. Um, so I did that and then, you know, did a whole bunch of jobs in the art world. And I would, I would say I always worked in the creative industry Uh, in one way or another but um it wasn't really until I became a mom where I was like now I'm gonna do now now I'm gonna do what I want to do yes and I think that's like one of the gifts of motherhood is um making you realize what's important yes yeah because it it does it kind of strips us down right like it gives so much to us and it takes so much from us in the way that it makes it like, okay, so what is really important now? You know, it forces us to look at that in a way um, that is unique. Mm. It yeah. does. Um, I think, and it's such a powerful initiation, motherhood. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you really lose your, in a way you have to really, you lose yourself so much. You have to find those parts of yourself that you want to regain. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And I think it was one of the most surprising factors of motherhood that no one prepares you for. Yeah. Sense of loss. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sense of loss. That's right. Yeah. To the point of who am I? Right. Yeah. Mm. Because we're so um, embroiled. We're like (laughs) in this place of of survival. Also because of the way we mother, you know, in, in the time we live in, you know, in this isolated way it's required of us to use so much of ourselves in a way that it wouldn't have been the case in you know ways people lived previously but yeah so much is asked of us and I'm interested in like so you speak about how when you became a mother this the idea that you would tend to your own creativity and talents outside of motherhood felt like revolutionary and dangerous Mm. and then came with this side of guilt (laughs) so yeah Will you tell us more about how you moved beyond that to reclaim your creative power anyway? It did, it did feel dangerous because it feels very like paradoxical. Is that, I don't know if I said that word correctly. So Yeah, um, perfect. But um, because you're in this kind of space of society kind of telling you that's what you should focus on. And, you know, you should really, ex- that's one thing you should really excel in is motherhood. Mm-hmm. Yes. But you're at the same time, you're not good enough. You, you don't know what you're doing. So there's like all this, all this advice that, you know, as a mom, especially as a new mom, you are just like nonstop trying to understand if you're doing the right thing or not. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the most time consuming thing. Yes. I mean, obviously it is a big learning curve and, uh, and it will, you know, take a lot of time. But to the point of there's just all these like, messages that are contradicting Uh, yes you know like there's no way to win there's no way to win Mm -hmm. and then I started realizing this probably probably when my son was 13 14 months old like I felt like I can't do anything right like Mm -hmm. I don't and it was probably the most stressful one of the most stressful times in my life because I felt like I was so immersed in this and always trying to figure out what's the best thing to do and just driving myself crazy to be honest yeah um and then I realized I started thinking who am I (laughs) who is this person who's like freaking out why am I not trusting myself Mm. there's all this contradicting advice but I also know like like, I know my child best yeah you know I I spend 24 7 with them and I can see, like, I can tell exactly when he needs something or what, you know, what's wrong. And, mm-hmm. and then that, that kind of like evoked a, I'm doing, I'm not doing this the right way. And, and then I thought, well, who am I? What am I missing? Because I also feel just empty. And then yeah. I thought I haven't painted or did, done anything creative probably even one, you know, towards the end of pregnancy. So it's probably been like nearly two years or who knows, Mm -hmm. but but a long time. And I felt that emptiness, like I need to make space to be creative. Like it was just this like sudden hunger that just came out of nowhere. Yes. And so I decided when my son would have his naps to dedicate, um, time to just drawing free drawing I mean I had no idea where this would go and also researching like to be inspired because as an artist you need to also look out to the world to to gain inspiration 
and um, motherhood definitely kind of sparked kind of this, but I, I, the sense of, I would, that I would like to feel, I would like that motherhood would feel much more empowering from the mm-hmm. get go. Mm-hmm. So then I started researching kind of, was there a time where, you know, this was more of a common thing that mothers would just feel naturally like supported by society as she knows what she's doing and let's leave her to it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or support her and she's the one who's kind of saying what she needs. Um, And then, you know, seeing kind of the Venus of Willendorf kind of sparked this, um, I don't know if you call it a memory or at least a stirring within me. Mm -hmm. That, or a realization that I, you know, that there was a time where motherhood was so important. They made little clay figures to the mother. Yes. To this, um, awesome miracle of creating humans which it just felt like so such a contrast to this modern life mm-hmm. where I did not feel like this little clay goddess you know I, I did not feel seen in that way in society right I felt the opposite which I feel is a common feeling absolutely yeah Especially now, I think, because there is this, you know, I know that you and I both grew up and all three of us grew up with working mothers, which was not always the case for everyone of our generation. But for many people of our children's generation, it is like the the social expectation of mothers has shifted so much towards you have to do literally everything, you know, (laughs) you have to do all of it. Mm. And that is there's this thanklessness to it. The role has expanded so massively that it's just like, yeah, of course you're going to do everything and not complain about it. And we saw this during the pandemic too, right? Where it's like this, this social imagining of mothers as like superheroes lets society off the hook from helping, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's one of the things that really surprised me is the workload of caring. Yes. Of raising a human being and and when I say caring I also mean for anyone who's even you know caring for someone who's sick or an elderly totally uh, or grandparent because caring is hard work it is that the hardest is, work in that my is opinion the work yeah and it's kind of the most important work yes it is yeah. It's the hardest work I've ever done, personally. Yeah. <laughs> I can say that much. <laughs> and I've done some hard things. <laughs> mm. But yeah, it is It is incredibly valuable work that is not valued financially in the current mm. setup of things. And it's also not valued anymore. I do think it used to be, as you're saying, like valued as just this incredibly important thing to do, to raise a generation of people and to take care of other people, whoever might need to be taken care of, um, we have lost that element of it. And so then we're left with this thanklessness and a sense of emptiness very often. And so what I love about what you're doing is this reclamation of the power inherent Mm. in motherhood and in femininity. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I mean, that's what I'm trying to do yeah um and it's 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 i mean since i've started this work and i almost feel like it's it kind of has its own soul its own life in a way Mm -hmm. 
and it's just funny because in a way I feel like 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 a vessel for it um yeah but which I feel like is is, is kind of the artist's way is is to be kind of the vessel for the creation which means and it has its own I feel like it really has its own life and I think Elizabeth Gilbert kind of says this you know like creative ideas they're like their own beings yes and they come to you and either you take them on like you take care of them and 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 create them and bring them to life and you're kind of the the parent but they're kind of but they're not yours in a sense as well yes they're like they're they're like your children you know you create them but Mm. they are not they're of you but they're not yours yes we are the conduit yeah for conduit, them. exactly mm-hmm. and i feel like so motherhood and i feel like motherhood and creating art are just very similar in that way totally and so i think yeah that um through my art i've just seen the effect it has had on mothers who get it immediately and i you know i created kind of a universal shape that's what i want to do because you know i've lived in lots of different countries and different cultures and through doing that I realized there's just so much in common we all have Mm -hmm. it is you know we we as humans like we try to divide ourselves but at the same time we just have way too much in common (laughs) (laughs) at a basic level of needs and you know what makes us happy and just just love in, um, in a sense you know we all need that we all need care we all need love we all need kindness absolutely and it's really and so simple so that's why I want to create some a type of goddess that was just more universal rather than connected to one culture or another mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if I've been successful at this but um <laughs> I was gonna say like yeah I think you know knowing about your work and learning about you that's one thing that's I think you've done so well with your work is helping for me anyway speaking on personal level helping as a mother me stop and think about not just the kind of daily grind of motherhood which you know we all struggle with trying to get back to that femininity and the power that we have as women and remember taking a moment to remember that power and not just you know question ourselves and criticize ourselves all the time it's mm. like it's a really powerful message that I think is so easy for us to forget. It really is. So yeah. without that imagery to remind us and that message to remind us. Um, and yeah, yeah, exactly. To to remind ourselves mm. that we are powerful and, mm. and we can channel it. Exactly. Yeah. We do have a say. Yeah. But you know, it is also scary to to claim it. Yes. You know society doesn't want us to <laughs> that's right yeah i think there's backlash it's a group there's of women backlash. yeah so that's why yeah. i think it was also so... scary for me to reclaim time to myself because that's that that seemed like you know like i didn't want to be a good mother what society thinks is a good mother mm. right yeah but who made like who even made those do you know what i mean who made those rules well we know who made them but <laughs> it was the men it was the men <laughs> but like you know at some point you know we need to try and change that narrative don't we and the way we do that is by you know you creating your work and different mothers putting their own 
creative energy out into the world, which, you know, as a collective, we can stop and think and, you know, try and channel our energy into a different, you know, different creative way as well. So thank you for putting yourself out there and doing that vulnerable work. <laughs> it, it, it really is so powerful because it is a model, right? Yeah, like it, exactly, it serves yeah. as a way for other women to say, oh, that's possible. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can do that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, what if I try, you know, and mm. because the imagery that you create, Helena, is so inherently empowering as imagery, right? Mm. So it's not just about you creating something, although there is that. There's also the element of like, remember yourself. You know, yes. the imagery itself points us back to ourselves as you know, creatures <laughs> who inherently are creative, who are living in the world that way, and who are doing every day something with our lives that is creative, even if it's not acknowledged as such. And that, you know, sort of meta way <laughs> of mm. looking at ourselves, um, I think is additionally powerful and um, creates this, this impetus to go and like live our lives in a way that is honoring of that and remembering of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sure. it's worth remembering. And um, from what I've seen so far is um, yeah, women suddenly are like, they, they get it when they see it. You know, even Japan, you know, coming to Japan, I would wonder if women here would, would get it. And they do so immediately. It's almost like instinct. Yeah. They're mm -hmm. like, they tell me you know this is a goddess you find in the earth yes and i'm like exactly and and here you know i had women say i wish there oh, and and other i mean women in general kind of say i wish there was a sacred space for us so when i made um an installation called altar to my first home it was kind of this portal into a room with a goddess where you could kind of sit with her i had a little stool an altar and um, women would go in there and, you know, some of these women don't go and see art normally, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like, I'm coming to support you, uh, you know, and see, see what you've done. Zero expectations, which I loved. And there are, you know, many women who came out crying and they said, I don't know what happened in there. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. And, 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 and some of them said, you know, this just, just stirred something within me that we don't have sacred spaces for ourselves. Like yeah. all the sacred spaces are so male dominated. Yeah. And that just, you know, I had no idea what the result of this installation would be. I just knew I had to make it. And it surprised me too, that people were having emotional reactions mm -hmm. to being in that room and, and kids were really getting it. Um, yeah yeah kids were going they just wanted to spend time in there in this kind of like womb-like environment and said this is like home and I thought wow mm -hmm. I I got it um without without you know being able to say that I would be able to achieve this mm -hmm. it felt so guided yes that's the power of it isn't yeah. it it's intuition that's which, right which is something we also in society don't trust because it's not linear it's it's much more organic and from the outside um, 
but it really does guide you to the good things, the things you really need to do, which is also another thing that I think women have much more strongly because with, when you're a mother, you kind of have to use your intuition a lot yeah. to engage things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all you have, really, I feel like yeah. sometimes. <laughs> and I you know that was that we said in the beginning of motherhood is don't read all these books i'm sure you can listen to people's advice but like listen to yourself what does your gut tell you yeah yeah what you know what does your body tell you what you need to do when you Mm. look at your child and you are getting lots of information you know just really quickly in one second by looking at your kid like what what do you feel like you need to do in that moment yes 100 percent. and the same is true as you were saying earlier there's this analog to creativity as well like it does not matter what other people think you should do creatively yes (laughs) it does not matter at all it matters what you feel drawn to do and what your intuition is asking you to do when you follow that you will not go wrong exactly Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think you know it's almost like a life philosophy um to, to, and, and, and I guess with this like ancient culture that I have, um, ancient history within my work is also, I feel back then people were like having to rely more on their intuition because they didn't have all this information that we have. Mm. So they had to really listen, like look at, look at the outside, get the information by looking at nature, at other people and decide. There was right. no kind of manual to anything. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly wing it and not to say I think you know I'm grateful for that we have access to much so much information because it can help you make um, really good decisions but that said we also then downplay this um, the value and magic of intuition Mm -hmm. yes I think for mothers specifically it's really important Mm. yeah 100% I agree it's a power it's a superpower Yes, it really is. is. <laughs> so, um, so talking a bit more about like divine feminine. So, what resonance does the imagery of the like, ancient divine feminine hold for you, like both personally and also in your work? Hmm. So, well, I guess I think like I've been saying, it kind of came out of nowhere. It's like she appeared to me mm. in the form of. Um, um, the Venus of Willendorf. And I think that really triggered me kind of remembering and, and, and being curious, what is the divine feminine? Because I would say before then, I, you know, I, I thought about it, but I didn't really study or really look into it. And it felt really empowering for me because it just felt like this part of history that we don't talk about in, in class or in religion yeah is that there was a time in history where women were were the god the goddess and i and i thought why why isn't this as important to know as knowing about like about religion as it is today with god with christianity or you know i mean all most of religions today are male-based the the head of them the 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 top is is a guy right yes yep So I was just like, why has this been downplayed? I mean, we know why it's been downplayed, but mm. it felt like rediscovering something too in that kind of historical um, anthropology, archaeology kind of manner. Yeah. And also to kind of recognize that 
archaeologists before were mainly male. There were very few female archaeologists. And obviously they were biased. They weren't going to say, so, you know, these figures are important from the Middle East, all these goddesses. Mm -hmm. We should really like put that, um, highlight that in our history books. And so for me, I also felt a little bit, I guess, angry. <laughs> that yeah. This yeah. has been not, 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 not hidden, but, you know, definitely not highlighted. It's not common knowledge. And exactly. it felt like a disservice to women. And I feel like also part of my work for that is to, to remember this too, that, you know, history, you know, is written in a way to, to show one kind of story. But is that the story we want? Well, we can see evidence of other storylines that yes. um, honor the, the, you know, honor the female as well. And I, we just need equality. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think part of what's so powerful about her too, the Venus of Willendorf, is that here is this figure of reverence, right? Clearly important, clearly held up as something powerful and to be respected and revered. And she's everything we're told we're not supposed to be. She's not tiny. <laughs> she's not making herself small. She's not meek. You know, that you can feel from the image itself, uh, a sense of presence in the physical form, right? Yes, that, she's very present. Yes. That, she's in space. Exactly. And this is what we are, you know, overtly and covertly instructed not to do in, you know, the current world as women. And so it's just seeing her is a revelation in many ways. Yeah. To, to me anyway, like, no. it's like, oh, and uh, yeah, exactly. You know, she's in she's in that kind of shape that wouldn't be considered beauty these days. She probably didn't shave. You know, that's why my goddess has hairy legs. I love that about your goddess. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> because it's like she's a goddess. Do you think she has time for shaving? No, she has better things to do that are cooler. Right? Yeah, <laughs> she's naked because kind of the the ancient um the goddesses were always naked it's because they're just that's that's their power yes it's not really mm -hmm. about like sexuality it's just like that's their natural form and that's a powerful form exactly nudity, which is also a different way to kind of view nudity especially for women you know that women mm -hmm. it's a very complicated messaging when it comes to nude women right Mm -hmm. yes well this yeah. is a very kind of no this is all all her nudeness is all about power it's not about anything else right and it's hers it's and not hers. because someone else is looking at her no exactly yeah and that's what that's part of what I love about it is that it is. yeah the power feels inherent and it feels intrinsically sourced it's mm -hmm. not sourced by mm -hmm whether men like it or not, or whether yeah. anybody likes it or not. Exactly. And which I think is a very healthy um, message for young girls and women is, you know, take care of yourself on yourself, feel, feel your power. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. But so much of what we hey, experience is through the male gaze, isn't it? <laughs> like mm. we don't, 
everything you know movies a lot of music and a lot of stuff around us is from the male gaze so it's like when do we ever stop to think about from our point of view <laughs> as a you know as right. women we don't yeah and I think also and that same thing that that plugs into becoming a mother because the way men viewed you before you were a mother and then afterwards is different yes exactly mm. yes yes it's yeah. like you become less than a woman and on a level you know you're I, I I don't I don't like to say this but I feel I felt the kind of now I'm less desirable yes yeah yeah absolutely even though and you've pointed this out Helena in previous conversations like that that's how you became a mother yeah <laughs> yeah exactly. exactly that's how you became a mother so it's very paradoxical it's very it contradicts mm -hmm. it's not mm. it's not the truth you know we're like lying we're making these stories that just don't add up but right. we feel them you know these stories we keep them going and they have consequences yes absolutely yes. they really do yeah and if you're a mom yes of course you're sexual because that's how you made children i mean they would mm. never have happened in the first place if you weren't and why would that stop once you have a child yeah exactly and our sexuality is also a sacred thing in and of it itself is. It is enjoyable. It's fun. It's part of how we create. It's part of how we, you know, get our energy moving in our lives. And it is just, I don't know. I think it's fun. It's <laughs> I enjoy it. It's potent, it's potent yes. energy. And, yes. and I remember learning kind of that creative energy and sexual energy are actually the same energy. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. through creating humans, creative like the act of intimacy mm -hmm. beautiful it's, it can be artful it's a whole experience uh, the potential of a very beautiful experience and <clears throat> I think we also then you know as mothers probably like think we shouldn't want that right because there's this this push towards selflessness you're not supposed to want anything mm. yeah exactly and, mm. and I'm like a goddess would not think that way you know she would have her kids and still still want the parts of life and herself that she enjoys mm -hmm. and make yeah. space for it because that would make her a more whole mother yes than a mother who's always giving giving and empty and none of the goddesses in history have just been selfless <laughs> you know they're that's never true yeah they've that's always true. known when they have to like protect or give but also know and and they also always know when they have to take Mm -hmm. they've never been one or the other which because i find we, interesting yeah and we can't give if we never take there's nothing left exactly. to give we have to be replenished and that is you know it's also just <laughs> i think it in, uh, like always ties back to capitalism like patriarchy and capitalism in our in the western world are just inherently inextricably bound up together and, you know, when we are used as a resource mm. and <laughs> depleted and not replenished, you know, this is something that is part of what has become capitalism in the century we're living in, you know, that there's this idea that we can just take and take and take and take without ever giving back to what we're taking from. That is false. It's false. It's, it's not balanced. And mm -hmm. we see that. 
Um, it won't work. It's not going to work. It's just well, not how it's not working. If you're yeah. looking at climate change today, that's not working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's scary as, as mothers as well to think what kind of planet will exist even in just 20 I know. years. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's part of why it is so important to do this work of, you know, owning who we are and what our power is, because that if we feel powerless, if we feel there's nothing we can do, then that becomes true. But that it's just not the reality. The reality is we do have power. We do. And that, yeah. And that actually brings me to my next question, which mm-hmm. is like, I'm, I'm curious about what is coming up for you, like a project that's lighting you up and exciting you as a way to continue this work you're doing. So um, I have, well, I have a lot going on right now because I am um, deciding to move out of Japan back to Norway Um, because, you know, I I became single in the last um, year and a half. I was married. Mm. There's been a lot of, and, you know, that's also been very humbling, to be honest, as a mom, Mm. suddenly Mm. be partnerless. Um, and so, you know, it's also made me realize I haven't had a lot of as much time as before for my creativity, to be honest, to, to, to play and develop and and see where it goes. But it's funny, like now that I've made my decision to be based in Norway and hopefully continue doing things in Japan, I don't want to let that go. Um, uh, I felt this like creative surge come through. Hmm. And so now I'm going to do an uh, exhibition in March, beginning of March, the 1st to the 12th. Um, I'm going to do kind of another installation. Exciting. Which will be a little bit different than the one I did previously. So a little twist on that. Um, it's called Apparition of a Goddess. Oh, <laughs> wow. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of, again, kind of creating this visual sacred holy space for well men and women because also I've seen you know men go into my my last installation and also getting it and you know, yeah it. and I feel like men also have so much of this soft like strength and beauty within them that they don't get to access we don't allow them to totally yes patriarchy also, harms us all men too yeah and so when I've seen some of the men go in there and really soften up and get it, I, I was just, it's just amazing too that, you know, art kind of speaks, uh, communicates beyond words, you know, it creates yeah. a feeling within you. And I think that's so powerful. And we forget that we are our visual people. And that's how we, through symbols, it's what, how we integrate information really. Mm-hmm. it's a strong way to look at something and and you can get it you can understand or or a feeling arises and yes. it, it can awake something within you which is something i love about creativity and art too is that it can uncover these hidden parts to yourself that you just didn't know were, were there yes um so i'm excited about that because well we'll see um I never I don't I want to say it's gonna be like this or that you know I'm very much letting the process happen organically but the seed 
uh, is there and she sprouted. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're watching her grow. Yes. And it will be a mix of um, my old work with a few pieces of my new and creating something just a little bit different than last time. I'm so excited to see mm, it. Yeah. So, yeah. so Helena, you say like, your work obviously sounds very like intuitive and um so I'm really curious to to like hear like how do you work past any obstacles that might come up, you know, whilst you're creating? So I think because I cr- I create intuitively mainly, I mean, mm. pretty much that's, you know, when I've drawn these goddesses on the black background, when I sit down, I have no idea what's going to come through. Mm. So I never plan ahead, <laughs> which might be a disappointing thing to hear. No, yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, or, you know, it's just, it's just funny because people, you know, there are artists who really plan every detail before they get to work. Right. And I'm someone who just like sets out materials, um, the paper I want to use and the paint I want to use. And then I just get to it. Yeah. I always create her in the middle and then I see what happens. I might like just pick some colors that I am attracted to. But one, it's rare that I have an obstacle obstacle. So they're diff- I feel like there are different kinds of obstacles when I create. Mm. There's some times where I start creating um the goddess and i start feeling like i want to reject it like but that's rare where i'm just like this is turning out awful right yeah yeah i can't can't stand what i'm seeing right now yes (laughs) those moments happen (laughs) this moment is happening but it's such a healthy part of the process to create ugly art yes Yes. essential i agree and if you create an ugly duckling don't be deterred so what I have done now in the past is I create an ugly duckling I put her away and sometimes that might be for months Mm -hmm. and the first time this happened to me I mean it was just like so awful I I, it nearly drove me insane I thought I should just throw it out but I didn't and then I remember watching my son get clay and art materials and he just started playing like he was just having such a good time and I thought, why don't I get that piece of art out again and do what he's doing in, in the same mm. spirit of, I don't care what the result will be at all. Yes. And I'll just play with it and see what happens. You know, I can just throw it out if it doesn't work out. And it actually became a really good art piece. Oh, I love <laughs> that. Oh, I love that. What? You reconnected with it from a different vantage point or a different yeah. like, way of being, it sounds like. Exactly. I put some music on and I, I guess you could have said that maybe when I created initially, I, I couldn't get into that flow. Mm-hmm. But now I got into that flow, but, not, but I transformed it and that felt kind of magical too. And I think there's that, always that opportunity when you make something you don't like, there's the opportunity to turn it around somehow or in a way you could have never imagined. Yes. And I think that's, really valuable that's how you create original work is when you create something that you're not happy with so what are you going to do about it and one method is to revisit it at some point totally yeah Mm -hmm. I love that and I love just the idea of of coming at it from a different 
way and, and a different feeling mm-hmm. as you come at it, that in, alone can be something transformational. Yes. And also I feel that it's, it's the moment, the obstacle is the moment judgment comes in. Mm-hmm. Yes. The moment oh my you God. start judging your work is the moment you need to stop. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's very good. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. That's the moment you need to take a step back because you're you're not in the flow anymore you're you're not a channel you're not just creating and you're not in the moment right that's right judgment is the enemy of creativity that's absolutely right you have to be free and and it's a practice I feel like you know like meditation is a practice I feel like being creative is also a practice and paying attention to when you hear that little voice come in like this isn't good or you use those colors come on right yes (laughs) That, that flower you drew, that's whack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it just makes you small and you're not small. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And that voice is not you. That's not intuition. That's not it. You know, that's something else that has, you know, it's trying to keep you safe by yeah. stopping you from doing what you're doing. And you're right. And there is, you know, that has kept us alive in many ways. In many ways, that mean little voice has, you know, stopped us from doing dangerous things in the past. But making art is not dangerous in that way. It's not like being hit by a bus. We're going to be okay if we make something ugly. (laughs) Exactly. And I think such an expanding process. And also, too, then I think once you start um, becoming aware of that little judgmental voice within your art making you start to also be aware of it in other parts of your life or is it stopping you where you should have pushed forward you know exactly yes life. because it's taking your power too it's like it's great that it keeps you safe but it's it's a practice to recognize when it's stopping you from doing something you really want to do or that would benefit you in a really positive way I t- yes absolutely yeah and it feels scary it feels really scary to do to do that (laughs) it does yeah and I think that that little zap of fear is a good sign in many ways that we are moving towards something that is expansive for us and is not the old status quo anymore exactly yeah and yeah so I'm hoping you know through my art and um through the people I meet that we can have these conversations yeah, there's such important conversations to have. And there's such um, validating conversations, I think, for so many people who don't have words for what they're feeling or what they've been through. Yes, yeah. It's, yeah. Or art, I think art is just, yeah, goes beyond all kinds of barriers, language, mm. and, and, you know, it, it's a safe space to really talk about these more difficult topics because talking through the art is easier than just talking about the topic bare bones yes exactly it gives us a way something to look at together as we yeah feel yeah something I love about art too is that it's just a bridge where you know then you don't feel as vulnerable because I think if you're talking about the art it's not just on you it's more of a collective conversation yes absolutely Well, thank you so much for this conversation, Helena. It's just been such a joy to speak with you. 
same. Thank you for inviting me. And yeah. And how can our listeners find you online? Where would they find you if they wanted to take a look at your goddesses? So it would be mainly Instagram for now. Okay. Which is the best place, which is at Bola Girl. So at B O L L E G I R L. And yeah, I'm excited for anyone who wants to have a look or if anyone has any questions or even just wants to have a little conversation with me, please feel free to DM me. I'm always open. Yay. Oh, thank you, <laughs> Helena. Thanks so much for the conversation today. Thank you, too. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Paige, I was thinking, how would you feel about an um, Ask Me Anything episode? Oh, I'd love that. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, because I reckon, you know, well, you're a wonderful coach. Um, so I reckon people must have questions for you after listening to our, our lovely episodes so far. Yeah, I would love to have people ask anything they're wondering about, like whether it's um, a question about their own creative situation or a question for us uh, personally or uh, anything they might want to tell us like feedback or anything else. Where do you think they should do that? Um, if anyone does have any questions, I think they can leave us the questions in the review box. Um, so if you go down to the bottom of your app, you'll find a review box. You can leave the question there and we'll be able to read it and include it in the episode. Perfect. Yes. Or they could also DM us on uh, Instagram at the Creativity Cafe 21. Uh, send us anything that you want there. Questions, feedback, just say hi, anything you like. Yeah, we can shout out people as well. If you want to just say hi, we'll say hi back to you on the episode. Yeah, that sounds perfect. We'd love to connect with our community. Yes, we'd love it. So say hello and send us any questions you've got. Thanks for joining us today on the Creativity Cafe. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and share it with your friends. And follow us on Instagram at the Creativity Cafe 21 for special updates and sneak peeks behind the scenes. Catch you again next time. Keep creating.